Welcome to Medicus, a student-run podcast about any and all things in the world of medicine. Follow along as we interview outstanding individuals about important topics in healthcare. Hey guys, welcome back to Medicus. Today we have a repeat guest, Dr. Hejin Yoon, a recent graduate from Loyola Stritch School of Medicine to talk about her specialty of choice, physical medicine and rehabilitation in our fourth year specialty series. So Dr. Yoon, can you introduce yourself and describe any experiences that, you know, led you to medicine and kind of where you are now? Sure. Well, thank you so much, Rasa, for having me back. So my name is Hejin, and I'm the former class president and a recent graduate of Loyola University, Chicago, Swiss School of Medicine. And I applied to and matched into PMNR, which stands for Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation at Stanford. And PMNR is actually one of the specialties that requires a preliminary intern year, which I'll be pursuing at California Pacific Medical Center in San Francisco. And my journey to medicine is very multifaceted, and there wasn't really just one aha moment that influenced me to pursue medicine per se. I attended Barnard College at Columbia University, where I received my BA in Neuroscience and Behavior, and had the opportunity to pursue my other passions in life that included the performing arts and broadcast journalism in New York City. And one of the highlights of my journey involved working with Dr. John LaCoup, who is the chief medical correspondent at CBS News, which was an opportunity of a lifetime. And I really love seeing how a physician can use media as a platform to educate the public about health and wellness. And as a physician, rather than just a reporter, I think you have the permission to be directly involved in individuals' lives as you tackle the health issues that's affected their lives and their communities. And around the same time in my senior year, I had the opportunity to be a global symposium fellow in New York City and get to represent my college abroad and teach women's leadership workshop in Paris to high school girls. And at the global symposium, I met a humanitarian doctor who also wore multiple hats as an activist, researcher, and formal managing director of the World Bank. And when I asked her the question of how becoming a doctor influenced her career trajectory, she explains to me that being a doctor served as her foundation to become an ultimate humanitarian. And that really just kind of showed me how as a doctor, you can do so many other things outside of medicine, as well as inside the medicine. And I took three years of gap year and worked with UNICEF USA before matriculating to to school of medicine. And and I recently just graduated. So four years have gone by. It hasn't flown by, but I got through it. And (laughs) I'm really excited to pursue the next chapter with physical medicine and rehabilitation. Fantastic. Thank you for that wonderful walkthrough through your journey. And I, I will put in a plug that we have had you actually on the podcast several times before, including the episode about the Wonder Woman Passion Project. So I encourage people to go and listen to that brief episode and then follow you on Instagram where you share lots of tips and tricks for those in undergraduate medical education. So take us through your decision to go into physical medicine and rehabilitation. What drew you to pursue it? So I want to actually first start off with what physical medicine and rehabilitation is. And as we talked briefly earlier on, it stands for PMNR. It has many different names. It's also known as physiatry, physiatry, depending on what part of the United States you're from. So there's a lot of different names. But regardless, 
it is a medical specialty that aims to restore functional ability and enhance quality of life to those with injuries or disabilities as related to the nerves, brains, muscles, and bones. And I think what makes this specialty so wonderful is that it's really an intersection of different specialties and you get to work with a very interdisciplinary team that's not limited to critical care, neurology, neurosurgery even, orthopedics that it can involve the sports, spine trauma, rheumatology. And there's so many diverse cases that you'll see ranging from stroke patients to spinal cord injuries, polytraumas, cancer, amputees, and it just the list goes on. And essentially, it is a four-year of residency training. So we have one year of transitional year or preliminary intern year mm-hmm. in either medicine or surgery that is followed by three years of PMNR-specific training. And also do further fellowships if you choose. And there's also a plethora of opportunities there. And some of the most commonly chosen fellowships are spinal cord injuries, sports medicine, traumatic brain injury, interventional science and sports, pain medicine, pediatric rehab. So as you can see, the breadth and the depth of this field is just so wonderful in so many ways. And for me personally, it is my artistic roots in dance and musical theater that have led me to my interest in physical medicine and rehabilitation, as it has really taught me about the human body's functional capabilities and its propensity to heal from trauma and disability that really lines so well with the philosophy, I think, of PMNR. And as one of my mentors said to me, Physiatry is taking care of the human movement more than anything else. And as a former dancer, this really just resonated with me because as I kind of went through my dance training and things, I learned to be in tune with a beautiful interplay, as I would like to call, between the musculoskeletal and neurological system that really initiate the creative movements. And PMNR is just a wonderful marriage, I think, between the MSK and the neurosystem. And further, I think performing arts for me has shaped my value and really developed this profound appreciation for collaboration and partnership and working uh, towards a common goal because you need a team of people to put on a show. And I think in many ways, I found a genuine sense of camaraderie and teamwork in physiatry. And on the wards, when I was doing my rotations, the interdependence of a multidisciplinary rehab team that was composed of physical therapists, occupation therapists, speech therapists, nurses, case managers, and social workers, and of course, the human doctors, they're all dedicated to helping the patients rehab journey. And that has really left an impression. And I would love to be in a field where we can work together to look beyond a person's I guess, disease process and really work towards helping somebody take their first steps again and really get them back to their functional capabilities. Wow, what an amazing field. It really does sound like you can kind of have it all with PM&R in terms of, you know, the different subspecialties that it provides in terms of fellowship and kind of working with a vast number of people from all different specialties. It sounds like a very um, intellectually stimulating field, very hands-on. So, you know, it sounds great, but are there things that you dislike about PM&R? So far, because I haven't really delved into fully yet as a resident, I would say I love this field with all my heart and hopefully you'll stay that way. But I do have to say that some of the complaints that I've heard from some of the current residents is that 
it is still a smaller specialty that not everybody is familiar with. And just to give you a context, this field of PM&R was actually identified by the AMA or the American Medical Association as a distinct specialty in 1947. So it's a pretty relatively young medical specialty. So that means not everybody's going to know exactly what we do. And actually, some people may get PM&R mixed up with physical therapists. And right. I just want to dispel the myth here that, you know, while we work very closely with them to manage our patients' care, they prescribe specific exercises and therapy treatment plans, whereas physiatrists or PM&R doctors, we manage the medication, like the mm-hmm. pain, specificity, neuromuscular dysfunction, and the general medication management. And so there's a huge distinction there because we do coordinate, we're like the master coordinator across a patient's medical management and not just helping them through the exercises. Yeah, I'm really glad you made that distinction because I think a lot of times with all the different subspecialties in medicine, it can get confusing with the other professions that are out there. So I'm, I'm glad you made that distinction. So are there any stereotypes or assumptions about PM&R and is there any truth to them? So I have a few that I want to walk through. I guess first and foremost, I actually took a little poll across my colleagues. So a shout out to them for helping me come up with the list here. But the number one that I heard was the fact that PMNR stands for plenty of money and relaxation. So <laughs> that's the best one I've heard yet. I'm glad. But I just want to say that even for my limited medical student experience, I'm definitely not in the position to make a comprehensive statement about this. But speaking with current physiatrists, it's like anything else that there's a spectrum and it depends on how one curves up their time. So yes, we would rarely have on-call shifts and it will not be like a surgery schedule, but you're still very much tending to the patients and coordinating care from hospital stay to return to the community. I've seen we have doctors work very, very hard. So I'm not quite sure if there's much truth to this currently, but I will just leave it at that. And I think the second notion is that PM&R is a chill residency. Again, there's like a spectrum to this, but I think overall, it is compared to like an internal medicine, or some my colleagues said it's also comparable to even some of the surgical residency, depending on which particular rotation that one is going through. But with uh. each specialty, there are different demands. And in a traditional sense, the call shifts, weekends and overnights, maybe PMNR has a little bit less than IM in surgery. So it may be less demanding in that sense. But I've definitely seen PMNR residents work very hard during my rotation. So again, we'll leave that up to the public to decide when they kind of get to that themselves. And I know you got your own schedule recently, and that seems pretty intense. So probably can comment on that too. Yes. For sure. So I think, you know, we all got to work hard. There's no chillness per se. I think we can have a balance, but I think it is what one makes out of the situation. And I think the last two um, is that PM&R is less competitive specialties. So I want to make a statement that PM&R has grown more competitive each year. And just to put some numbers to this, in 2021, there was 680 total applicants based on the NRMP data that's out there. And this past cycle in 2022, there was 771. So that is over 13% increase over a span of a year. And there was 518 total spots during the 2022 cycle. So I think that shows that there is growth to this you know, young field, which is very exciting. 
And I don't think you should be considered as like a backup plan. Um, as some people have said in the past, I think it, it was definitely like my first choice into the specialty that I pursued and, and many of my future colleagues were alongside me. So it is definitely going in terms of competitiveness. And I guess the last notion is that PMNR is just a non-operative sports medicine and it doesn't focus on medical issues and just does MSK, which stands for musculoskeletal medicine and neurology. And to kind of comment on that, I think PMNR does a lot of procedures that one can possibly imagine. I think it actually includes ultrasound guided injections, Botox for specificity and interventional spinal procedures. And it depends on which area of physiatry that one can choose to go into. But like inpatient physiatrists like round on their patients every morning. So they are responsible for the medical needs of a patient just as much as some of the other rehab management that they're going through. So we do manage a lot of medical complex issues and not just MSP and neuro. So those are some of the most common misconceptions for PMNR. Wow, thanks for sharing those. So you said that PMNR is definitely your first choice, but were you ever deciding between two or more fields? For me, luckily, I think I knew I wanted to do physiatry coming in, but I do have to say that I really also love neurology during my rotations. And the reason why I chose PMNR ultimately over another field like neurology is the fact that PMNR encompasses neurology among with mm-hmm. other things. And I felt like during my neuro rotation, it was a lot about like where the lesion is and kind of putting the medication to the problem, like seizures and whatnot. But I think rehab is kind of like like where, quote unquote, the magic happens. So if somebody comes with a stroke, because I know I did a rotation in stroke for a week during neuro, we just kind of help to manage acute stroke symptoms, but we never saw them get better. But in PMNR, I saw how a stroke patient regained their function for speech and it was able to move their hands again or be able to walk again. And I think there is just so much joy in seeing progress in somebody just kind of getting back to their functional baseline. That sounds incredibly rewarding. And like you said, PMNR does work closely with neurologists and kind of encompasses parts of neurology as well, which is great, you know. So you kind of touched on PMNR becoming a more competitive field. And perhaps this is because you mentioned that it is a relatively new field. So people, as they're learning about it, applicants are applying because they're loving it. And how do you make yourself a competitive applicant for matching into PMNR? I think what's wonderful about the field of PMNR is the fact that it is a relatively holistic application maybe process, more so than some of the other specialties. And I think no one applicant will walk through the same doorway twice. And I guess my journey will look very different from another match applicant's journey. And I think the diversity in the background and experiences is what made PMNR beautiful. But that being said, I think some of the things that can really help somebody in this application process is having a strong personal statement and really mm-hmm. telling your story of why PMNR. Because I think that demonstrated interest and it's really having the value align with what PMNR stands for is very important. And that comes up a lot, I think, during interviews, which we'll probably talk about later. And having a strong letter of recommendation is also very helpful because PMNR is a pretty young field, you know, it's a growing field. So there aren't too many of us there yet compared to some of the fields like internal medicine and surgeries or whatnot. So if somebody can advocate and vouch for you, I think that can go miles as well. And I think most importantly, in general, for me, at least in this process, 
was to find your passion and demonstrate your interest in PM&R. So whether that is leadership, research, volunteering, to be interest groups, involvement, is really quality over quantity in many ways, because you can mm-hmm. list all these things in your CV, but are you able to have a meaningful discussion about it? Because I think at the end of the day, you want to have a conversation with somebody that leaves an impact of why or how this activity will make you a better physiatrist and help your patients. So if you can have those quality experiences that you can talk about and really let your passion come through that, I think that will speak volumes and having 10 research papers that you are lukewarm about or many, many other extracurriculars that you are just kind of half involved with. Absolutely. In your whole journey that you shared with us on your podcast of being in the performing arts and having that personal connection, it really does show that, you know, this is kind of a field that you were almost born for. How did you structure your fourth year for matching into PM&R? A disclosure is that we were impacted by COVID. So mm-hmm. I think some of us took step two later than some of the others. So I think some of the structure were maybe different. However, since PM&R is usually not a core clinical rotation in many medical schools, it is really important to gain exposure, whether it's shadowing, elective, away rotation is usually the way people go about it. And some institution doesn't even have a formal PM&R department like Loyola. So really taking time to work with the PM&R doctors within your institution and getting the feedback that you need to excel when you schedule your away rotation and preferably before your residency application submission is due would be helpful. And also in terms of resources that I think people can even use if you don't have a PM&R institution, PM&R Scholars has a really great resource in terms of residency fairs and past discussions with some of the applicants. And there's so many resources that are out there that people can use. And people can also join the Association of Academic Physiatrists, also known as AAP, which is the National PMR organization. And they do have a medical school council where they host journal clubs. So you volunteer to speak at a journal club or even join the medical student council. And if you're based in Chicago, you can also join the Chicago PMNR Fellowship that is actually run by the Rush Program Director, Dr. Kossi, who is amazing and awesome. And he basically hosts on the second Saturday of every month. It used to be virtual because of COVID. I think they're going back in person now, but he runs through different curriculums. And you can also find really wonderful opportunities to get involved in PMNR that way as well. Awesome. Thank you for that advice. Speaking of rotations, it's definitely important to do well. And how do you stand out on either, you know, PM&R rotations or do you feel like you have to do well in all of them? Kind of what's the deal? So I think four things come to my mind. Number one, I think setting expectations. So asking your attending or your resident on day one, you know, what their expectations are. And I think it's important to kind of have that discussion in the beginning because how are you going to exceed or meet the expectations if you don't know what those are? And having a check-in midway through the rotation would be helpful. And I think as medical students, it's really helpful to make your resident's job easier. So that being said, how do you make their jobs easier? Taking accountability and ownership over your patients. So if you're in an inpatient setting, for instance, you can carry up to three to four patients depending on the rotation. And just really have ownership over your patients. Present on rounds, write their daily progress notes for each of the patients read around your patients and bring in relevant articles even that ties into management. And as you will be the primary point of care for your patients, 
you should also be calling in consults and coordinating care for your patients. And don't forget that you work in an interdisciplinary team. So talk to the therapists, the nurses, and that way you can really just know your patients inside out. And that's how you can make your residence jobs easier in many ways. And just always be enthusiastic and open to learning. PMNR is not really taught in a one core rotation. So it's totally okay not to know everything. But mm-hmm. you should always strive for excellence, not necessarily perfection, but definitely striving for that excellence. And thirdly, like something that's unique to PMNR as you kind of go through the rotation is really thinking about how am I going to improve the patient's function? So some mm-hmm. core questions you can ask on your history of physical even is, how does impairment alter the patient's quality of life? So impairment can include any findings on your muscular physical exam and really evaluating their current functional status. So what does that mean? Thinking about how much assistance is required to perform the activities of daily living and how is their mobility and comparing that to the previous functional status and really thinking beyond their current status and thinking about what is their home environment and family support like. Because when you discharge the patient, we want them to continue to have this quality of life. So how many stairs do they have to enter to their house? How many levels are inside their house? Because that can affect their mobility. And who is available to help them to provide supervision or even assistance at discharge? And that brings to the kind of the one of the last points of evaluating their goal functional status for discharge. So how much help? Do you think a patient may need um, a discharge? Are they going to be independent? Are they going to need supervision? Are they going to need physical help? And where are we discharging them to? Is it their home, nursing home, or even acute care hospital for more treatment? And what's really unique about some of the rotation is that you should be watching your patients in therapy sessions because your residents and attendings, they're going to be so busy with kind of managing other aspects of the patient care. And you as medical student have a little bit more luxury of time and see how your patient is progressing in these therapy sessions. So that way, if your patient is able to walk some of the stairs, you can bring that up during your morning rounds that, okay, I saw my patient walk 50 yards or 50 feet yesterday. So are they going to be appropriate for discharge? Those are some of the things you can look and assess to manage their care. And last but not least, work hard and look for fit. The away rotations are often synonymous with additional rotation. But you are mm-hmm. also interviewing them just as much as they're kind of interviewing you in this journey. So really look for fit because at the end of the day, I think that's where a lot of my colleagues kind of ended up. We ended up where we fit the best. That's really great advice. So, you know, you can only do so many away rotations. What do you look for in a residency program, I guess, on paper, if you're not able to, you know, kind of mock interview them in person? Are there perhaps certain types of procedures that you're looking for or mentors, you know, national rankings, things like that? The biggest thing is really looking for whether it's a strong program for you, because I think every person is looking for different things, as you mentioned, Rasa. So some of the things that could be helpful in choosing a residency program to apply to is, I think, looking for diversity in training and opportunities. So does the program have certain exposure or opportunities to engage in areas of your interest? So whether it be traumatic brain injury, spinal cord injury, pediatric rehab, sports medicine. And for me, I was looking for a very niche field of performing arts medicine. So that could Mm -hmm. also help me to narrow down some of those programs that I was looking for. And diversity in training can be really exposure across all these different uh, fields that I mentioned. 
And another big thing was categorical versus preliminary program, which is a mm-hmm. whole podcast episode of its own, but real quickly. Yeah, we'll definitely have to have you come back and talk about that because I still don't think I understand, but it's <laughs> a whole different topic. So for this episode, I think it's knowing that do you want to pursue your intern year and your residency training? all in one place or do you want to split it up and do your intern year at a different institution from your PMR institution because that will require multiple moving and whatnot but some people choose to do one over the other based on their circumstances so that's something to also consider and location is something that's big and you can neglect location because I think family support or your support system is very important in this journey so that could also impact where you apply to and Yes, you can look into proximity and things, but I think at the end of the day, I think those rankings are so arbitrary mm-hmm. and we don't know what it's always based off of. So talking to the current residents was really helpful. And how do you even do that? I actually just kind of cold called them. So I just reached out to them on social media and asked if they have like 20 minutes just to, to talk about their experiences. And I was just so blessed in this process because people in Pizarro are so kind and they're just so willing to speak with you. So those are some of the things that people can look into. But I think speaking with people and for people in PMNR specifically, PMNR scholars actually has this residency fair that's all pre-recorded. And they literally went through 70 to 80 programs, like truly. They, we went through many, many programs and there's slightly over 100 PMNR programs. So that's like 70 to 80 percent of the program. So you can look through those residency fair videos and they will have really great information for you to listen to as well. So, you know, once you've decided what programs to apply to, next come interviews. So I know all of your interviews were virtual and who knows, you know, what the future holds, but it does seem like a lot of programs want to continue virtual interviews in some aspect just because it is more equitable, perhaps for people not to have to spend all that money on travel and coordination. Do you have any tips or advice you'd give for interviews, especially virtual interviews? Yes, interview is truly my favorite part of this. I think it's just so wonderful to kind of finally find a face to the program's names. And just to kind of give you some updates on the interview on a national level, on May 16th of this year, actually, AAMC released the interview guidance for the 2022 to 23 application cycle. And their number one recommendation was the fact that programs should conduct virtual interviews for all applicants for this upcoming cycle. And the guidelines still states that programs should share their interviewing plans with the applicants clearly and early. So we'll see what happens. But that is the current guideline. So hopefully things will be virtual again, because I personally found it to be very helpful in terms of saving money and the logistics of it all. So I want to break the interview into two parts. Number one, the technicality. And number two, the art of communication and interviewing itself. So starting with the technicalities of everything, interview season can be as early as October and as late as February. And keep in mind that PMR applicants, you have to also consider interviewing for preliminary interviews as mm-hmm. well. And there's a separate interview process. So you can have extra interviews because of that. But some of the key housekeeping items, just make sure that you triple check the dates and the time of the interview because there are four different time zones. I do have to say that some people could get those mixed up. So you don't want to be that person. So make sure you triple, triple check mm-hmm. those dates and times. And dates and times tend to fill up pretty quickly. So it's really important to keep your phones and device near you for scheduling and setting up maybe a notification so that it can be directly to your phone when those interviews go live. It's very helpful. 
and we've all been through Zoom for two years at this point now. <laughs> so just to have good lighting, stable internet, minimal background, people know the drill on that end. But I think some things that can also be worked on is the art of communication and the interviewing itself. So number one in that, like just know the program. You have to know who you're interviewing. Go to the program website, go to the residency fairs that Team and our scholars put up. And some residency programs will actually send out information and videos about their program. You can watch those and take note about what's specific about the program really excite you. Whether it's specific opportunities in teaching, research, faculty members, or even the culture of the program, you should be asking yourself, do you see yourself in this program? And if so, how? Because you should be able to describe that in your interview. And that brings to my next point. You got to know yourself. So anything on your ERS application, whether it's experience, your research, your personal statement, your hobbies, I cannot even begin to tell you how many times my hobbies came up. Those are all fair game. So know thyself. And I guess last but not least, attending the pre-interview sessions, like the meet and greets, happy hours, and even second look day is very helpful. And make friends along the way. I got to tell you, I made some of my closest TMNR friends in the interview process, in the virtual interview process. I randomly like direct message them because I saw them on so many interview trails and we went on to do webinars together and do national subcommittees together. So just be kind because you're going to be your future colleagues and just make those lasting friendships along the way because nobody should be able to go through this um, journey alone. Thank you for that advice. Clearly, it worked for you. I do think it's very valid and sound advice, especially, you know, things like being nice to each other and utilizing the time that you have with the residents, given that what used to be, I guess, like the pre-interview dinner in person is now on Zoom. But Definitely making sure that you attend those things because that is how you get to know who could be your future colleagues. So what would you say is the most important piece of advice you'd give to match into PM&R? So my mentor actually said, the dietrists need to put the need of patients first. And by doing so, we add life to their years and not necessarily years to their life. Being a compassionate, caring person, if you can live that out, whether it be in a patient setting or in your life outside the hospital where you're just being that kind and courageous person, I think that speaks volumes because I think at the end of the day, these p programs, we're pretty small. So people want to work with you and make sure you're a wonderful person to work with. So just being that genuine human being who's going to go out of their way for people and create opportunities for people and pay it forward, I think that's just really important part of p Awesome. So to close, do you have any general advice for pre-med or current medical students as they move through their training? Sure. So generally, I think to any pre-med and medical students out there, get an early exposure. I think especially I mentioned earlier on PM&R, it's not often the core requirement in many of the medical schools. So whether it's shadowing or even choosing to do an elective in PM&R, I think that's going to be very helpful if you choose to go into this field. And whether you're in PMR or not, just seeking mentorship, I think it's so important in many of the processes. So reaching out to graduated or even match students. And nowadays, social media is becoming a really great tool to connect. So being on social media, I'm not the biggest on Met Twitter, I'm more of an Instagram gal, but I know hashtag the diet is a huge community out there. We choose to kind of explore that realm. And I know AAP, which is the Association for Academic Physiatrists, has a mentoring program as well. 
And last but not least, I think I said this earlier, but I want to repeat this again because I think it's just such an important philosophy. Have courage, be kind. This is a really long process. You have to have resilience, but I think kindness goes such a long way. And when an opportunity doesn't exist, be proactive and create one, but don't forget to pay it forward when your time comes. Beautiful parting words. And speaking of social media, what's the best way to reach you if people have further questions? And we'll put this all in the show notes, of course. Yes, I'm on Instagram a lot. So you can follow me at DocLadyWonder. And you can also email me, which I will give to Rasa as well. And I tend to like to speak rather than write. So I'll probably leave you voice memos if you direct message me on Instagram. So be ready for that in advance. But I'm really looking forward to connecting with people. Thank you so much again, Dr. Yoon. I love saying that. I'm sure it probably still feels very weird to you, but I think you definitely shed the light on a field that's not very known to medical students. So I'm sure many will appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Rasa. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode. This wouldn't be possible without the support from our listeners. Please rate, review, and subscribe. We appreciate donations to help fund the production of this podcast. To support us, go to medicuspodcast.com, where you can additionally find show notes, links, and information about our guests. We are at Medicus Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you have any questions, comments, or episode suggestions, please submit them on our website. This podcast is intended for general information purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine. No patient-doctor relation is formed, and the content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Views and opinions are their own and do not represent any organization.